of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. That picks us up now at Thomas' story. Now, unfortunately, Thomas wasn't there when Jesus showed up to that group. Thomas was missing. I'm going to read the story of Thomas. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin. Nice name, eh, the twin? (laughs) Called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. And see my hands, and put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet have believed. So everything that I recounted over the last couple minutes happened in, in the time frame of about one week, okay? Now, if we go back and we'll work this story through sort of sentence by sentence, and I'm convinced that it's going to come alive in an amazing way to us. So, now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So when I first came across this, I thought, you know, I wonder what else we could know or find out about Thomas. So as we know here, he's called the twin. Um, He was also called Didymus. Didymus is Greek for twin. So he was called Didymus or or Thomas. Um, I think some common sort of ideas we have of Thomas is that he was like doubting Thomas. He was skeptical Thomas. He was like, uh, if you've read C.S. Lewis's Narnia stories, he's like uh, puddle glum Thomas. He's like, everything's kind of in a puddle, and it's glummy, and um, <laughs> glummy, is that a word? Glummy. I wonder if, uh, as we look at Thomas's story, we feel like, you know, I would, I would never, like, struggle like Thomas does. Like, I would never be that guy that just says, ah, oh, I'll just, I won't believe what you guys say. Or maybe we look at the story, and we're like, you know what, I, I can resonate with that. So there's three three major times in the scriptures that we hear about Thomas. There's more than three, but the only other times he's mentioned are just a list of names. So it's like the disciples' names, Peter, John, Matthew, Thomas. Thomas is with the, uh, in in early Acts, but there's not really much said about him. So this is one of the three we just read, and I'm going to get us to look at the other two. So the other two is in John chapter 11. And in this, this story, anybody heard of Martha and Mary? Good. Some people have heard of Martha and Mary. So Martha and Mary's brother Lazarus is sick. And they send a message to Jesus saying, like, this guy, Lazarus, that you love is sick. Can you come and help us? And Jesus, like, delays it for a little bit, and then Lazarus dies. 
And then Jesus comes to tell his disciples that he's planning to go to where Lazarus is. At this point, I don't even know if the disciples know why Jesus is going to see Lazarus. It doesn't really say that. It says, for sure, Jesus know, knew he was going to see Lazarus, but it doesn't say the disciples knew. And the last time they were in this place where Lazarus lived, it was really dangerous, and they were, uh, some people tried to stone them. So all the disciples are freaking out, and they're like, we, we shouldn't go there. Like, why would you go there anyway? Because Lazarus is like, you, you, you said that Lazarus is sleeping, so why would you wake him up? And there's this confusing, like, conversation around why they should go back to where they were last stoned. And Thomas is listening to all this, and uh, instead of being mentioned as the guy that's freaking out, he says, well, if Jesus is going to go, let us also go that we may die with him. I mean, <laughs> good advice. So here Thomas is convincing everybody that it's a good idea to go back with Jesus because if Jesus is going to die, they might as well just die anyway. Like, and so they go. They go back, and they aren't stoned, and they aren't killed, but, but Thomas convinces them. Maybe he's part of convincing them to go. So that's one story of Thomas. And, and then the, the second one is just after, it's in John 14, uh, verses 1 through 7. Maybe I'll actually just read that. John 14. Jesus um, is just celebrated the Passover with his disciples. So this is just before Jesus is crucified. He's in the, in the room with his disciples uh, having a special meal. And he, they now know that he's going to be betrayed. And Jesus says to them, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? The way that I, I kind of think of Thomas in this setting is, uh, you know, like when you're in the classroom and, and like, there's just one person out there that is willing to just ask the question. Like, Thomas is like, no, we don't actually know the way. We don't know where you're going. It's like, oh, awkward. <laughs> but Jesus answers and he says, uh, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I just think it's something that Thomas is the guy that asked that question. And we go to that verse, millions of Christians over the years, go to that verse to look at what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Thomas is the guy that got that question answered. Thomas is the guy that got that written in the Bible for us. So I think that between those three stories, we get a decent character sketch of who Thomas is. I think that uh, Thomas was a ra rather straightforward person. Like He just l he let you have it the way he saw it. Um, maybe he was like the guy that throws that curveball in the group. Like, you're all sitting there and listening, and then he says something, you're like, wait, you just said that? Like, really? Maybe he was just the guy that did 
things different than everyone else. Like he was like the loner out there. I'm sure this isn't, I am imagining obviously as I think about these things, but I wonder if peer pressure wasn't a thing that had a huge effect in his life. Like he was just kind of by himself and he did his thing and, you know, everybody was like, oh, there's Thomas over there and he thinks we should all go die with Jesus. Like, I think he was matter of fact. I think he was pretty stubborn. You know, we saw in the first story, he says, I will never believe unless I, unless I see and touch Jesus. I just won't. I don't care what you guys tell me. You all say you've seen him, but I'll never believe until I touch him. Maybe he was like, I, I don't want the theories and all your sentimentalism, however you say that word. I want the facts. So maybe that's like a character sketch of who Thomas was. And so now we can uh, return to John chapter 20, where we take up this story once again. So it starts off by, I, like, I wonder why Thomas wasn't there at the first meeting with Jesus and his disciples when Jesus appeared, right? So these disciples are gathered, they're all afraid, and Thomas isn't there. So it says, now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Thomas is one of the twelve. Like, if one of the twelve is missing, I mean, that's a decent percentage of someone missing. Thomas isn't there that day. I, like, I wonder why. Maybe he's the loner. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Now, for these guys, it wasn't like, oh, by the way, we've seen the Lord. Like, FYI. We have seen the Lord. Like, don't you get it? I mean, that's what Mary was doing. These guys were running all over the place that day on, sun on, uh, on Sunday. Mary's uh, running back from the tomb. Peter and John are racing to the tomb. They're like, we've seen the Lord. And he's like, nope. He says, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Can you see the hands on the screen there? And then the, the little dark imprint in the middle are these meant to symbolize these hands of Jesus that have been pierced by nails. And he's saying, unless I touch that, oh, I'm not ever going to believe. No, if I was one of the other disciples, I think I could feel like, like, come on, like, wow, like, why wouldn't you believe what we have to say? Like, there's 11 of us here. Like, nope. Probably a bit of a downer for the other guys. Like, everybody's all hyped and excited, and he's like, nope, not me today. But on the other hand, when I think about Thomas, and maybe some possible reasons for him not believing. I wonder if Thomas had been with Jesus for three years. I would say from the other things we hear about Thomas, he loved Jesus. He really loved Jesus. He was willing to go and die with Jesus. I wonder if he was saying something like, your belief in him isn't good enough for me. I have to touch him. I can't imagine believing on what you tell me. 
I have to live with myself the rest of my life. And I knew Jesus before. And I touched him before. And unless I touch him again, I can't believe. I won't believe. I have to see him. Maybe he also felt some things like, I've failed him. Did you know that all the disciples forsook Jesus at the crucifixion? All the disciples, including Thomas. Maybe he felt ashamed, disappointed, confused. Maybe he felt lost. That something like, until Jesus shows up and I see him and I touch him, I'll never believe you guys. And I I don't know about you when you hear that, but I can relate in some ways to that. Just because somebody tells me something about God or because I hear something, it doesn't mean that that makes me a believer on the spot. There's something that I have to experience. And if I don't experience I'm probably not going to believe. I wonder how many of us feel like that. I wonder if there's just things in our lives that maybe we kind of think God can and should do or, or will do, but he's not. And there's this something of a desire to believe, but this almost inability to believe as well. Maybe for us, our son or daughter caught in drug addiction. Maybe it's gotten to be, I can't believe that God's ever going to do anything. Maybe it's my own sin that keeps getting me down. And it's gotten to be a place of, I I can't believe I'll, I'll ever get free. This thing that I keep struggling with, it keeps getting me far away from God, making me feel far away from God. Maybe my fears at times drowning out everything I know about God. Maybe my anxiety is so high I can't think straight. What even is the point of praying or going to church or even believing in God? Maybe some of us are more like Lacey in this story of this 10-year-old with an idea of God and that idea of God gets crushed when tragedy strikes. Maybe we're experiencing this form of just deep unbelief in the very character of God. Maybe we can't even believe at all. Eight days later, Jesus' disciples were inside again, and this time, Thomas was with them. I wonder what he did for those eight days. I wonder if he pondered a lot what he had said. I will never believe. And time had stretched on, and it had turned into day one, and then day two, and then day day three, and Jesus hadn't showed up. Jesus hadn't revealed himself to Thomas. I'm assuming he felt confused. 
I remember a very difficult time in my life when those dark days seemed to stretch on and on. I remember we had like a communal mailbox, and in this mailbox, everybody's letters got put in this mailbox, and I had my own little slot there. It said, Jeremy Darrow. And in those dark days, I would finish my work day, I'd go to the mailbox, I'd reach my hand in the mailbox and hope that whatever I pulled out of that mailbox would have something bright. Like, could there be anything bright? And so there was a, just a twinge of like, man, what if today's the day that in that mailbox there's something nice there? You know what it felt like most of the time? Most days I walked to that mailbox, nothing there. Nothing there but a flyer or someone asking for money or... Maybe Thomas felt like that. Nothing. Nothing from God. I'm assuming he prayed quite a bit during that time. But I wonder how many of us can relate to that. Only maybe for us it's been 80 days or 800 days. Like that difficult thing in our life is never moving and it's never changing. The sky is always dark. I think for Thomas, it seemed like that. Jesus just not showing up. And the, and the thing was is that everybody else seemed happy all around, right? Like all the other disciples were on cloud nine. Like we've seen Jesus. Now for Thomas, that wasn't the case. So now a week has passed. Sunday's passed. Guess what? Tomorrow is Monday. Tomorrow is Monday. This time, Thomas is with the disciples, and I wonder if he was with that group of disciples now because he understood that being alone in your struggle, being stuck with it, is something that we just need people around us. Maybe Thomas was like, you know, every other time I saw Jesus, I was with my 11 other friends. Maybe that's why Thomas was there that day. Who knows? And in any case, he is there. And again, I wonder how we could relate to that this morning. I wonder if, if you're here this morning mostly because someone else believes. Maybe you need the presence of others around you right now. That's not a shameful thing. That's a good thing. Seek out the people around you that love you. Maybe you're borrowing someone else's belief this morning. Maybe, just maybe, God's going to do something, you're wondering. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Jesus then turns to Thomas. Jesus hasn't eaten anything, according to this story. He hasn't addressed anybody else. I wonder if Jesus showed up that day just to talk to Thomas. And I wonder if today Jesus might show up just to talk to you. And the thing was is that Jesus knew exactly Everything that Thomas had thought or said. Jesus says, put your finger here 
and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. I find it astounding that Jesus shows up. He looks at Thomas right away. And he says, Thomas, I've seen you the whole time. I've seen you. I've seen your decision, your inability to not believe in me. I've seen deep down inside your heart, and I'm inviting you over. Come touch me. Come and touch me. And so it doesn't, the story doesn't say what happens if Thomas goes over and actually touches Jesus' hands. It doesn't tell us if Thomas goes over and Jesus opens up the side of his clothing and Thomas touches the place where the spear had pierced Jesus' side. The scar there. It doesn't say if Thomas actually did that. But he was invited to do that. I wonder how many of us feel that the doors of our life are locked and it seems impossible for God to show up. And yet, somehow in Thomas's story, Jesus is standing there right in the center, knowing every single thing that Thomas has thought or said and is saying, hey, come here, touch me. Put your finger in my hand and trace the scar of the nail. Put your hand in my side and, and feel. And do not disbelieve, but believe. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. It seems like in an instant, in an instant, all that disbelief was gone, just like that. In an instant, Thomas was, I picture him on his knees or just this like, that sense, like nothing to say other than my Lord and my God, my one true God. It seemed like in that, in that moment, he was seen, he was convicted he was healed. He was overcome with emotion all in one moment. And then I, then I picture Jesus just very tenderly saying to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I don't see Jesus saying this in a condemning way to Thomas. But you know what happened in Thomas's story? That moment changed Thomas's life. Thomas would spend the rest of his life convincing people to believe without seeing the scars in Jesus. So Jesus, Thomas's very failure to believe in Jesus through through the testimony of his friends, Jesus says, 
He almost commissions him in that moment, I think, to say, Thomas, your whole life will be spent convincing people to believe without seeing me. Tradition has it that Thomas actually wrote an account of Jesus. He became a preacher. Tradition says that he took the gospel to the country of India. You imagine today if Ryan and Simona from India are here in part because of the story of Thomas. And I guess that just makes me think for us, like, your past, your story, your areas of struggle, it counts in the end. It counts in the end. For Thomas, it did. Thomas is now sent to, to the ends of the earth to tell people, believe in Jesus without seeing him. And perhaps Thomas' story made that even, an even more effective thing, right? How many of us know that when we go through something and then we can go to somebody else and tell them, here's what I struggled with, here's how I overcame, that makes our story just that much more effective. Imagine Thomas saying, hey, I was in your shoes. I had the chance to believe, and I didn't. Then I had the chance to see Jesus and touch him. Now, please believe. Tradition also uh, has it that Thomas died a martyr. And so, I guess I just want to close with uh, three points, and I'm going to invite the band up at this point. Thomas was a human. He was human. And I, I just think that's comforting. I think that Thomas's story, one of not believing, coming to belief, it just makes him approachable. It makes us know that no matter what's happening in our life, God works with humans. We have the same hurts, the same hang-ups as Thomas did. My second point is that Jesus intimately knew, deeply loved, really saw Thomas for who he was. And today, he sees each one of us in the exact position we're at, whatever journey in life we're in, whatever struggle we have, whatever unanswered prayer, whatever discouragement, whatever disappointment, whatever fear. Jesus sees you today. And then, Jesus shows up and Thomas' life is forever changed and he, he cries out, my Lord and my God. And so this isn't, this isn't a religion, it's not a religious, it's a relationship, right? I called the sermon Monday because tomorrow's Monday, because maybe for some of us, our Monday is still coming when Jesus is going to show up among us. And when Jesus shows up among us, our life is never the same. Now, lest I make you leave feeling like unless that huge thing happens in my life, then my life isn't any good or I'm not close to God or whatever those thoughts may come, I want to challenge us with something else, that there's a, there's a waiting period 
in our life as well. And I'm asking us, I'm challenging us to notice God around us. So throughout this next week, perhaps, I wonder if when someone shows you kindness of some kind or a love of some kind, or maybe when you hear that bird singing, you can name it. Maybe in that moment, we can stop and we can realize that God loves us. And in that, that gives us enough strength, enough strength to wait till Monday morning. Now maybe letting God see everything inside of you. Yeah, we, we know that God sees everything inside of us, but maybe letting him see is a scary thing. Maybe exposing all of that feels scary. But I'm challenging us today to let God see. So I'm just going to ask the band to, uh, maybe if you're willing, just play some music um, or, or a song or something. And, and I'm going to pray. And I'm also just going to say, if you want to come up to the stage this morning, um, our prayer team would be happy to come pray with you. But maybe it's a morning where you can say, Jesus, I'm like Thomas. I can't see you doing this, but I want to give this thing to you. I want to have a Monday morning with you. Maybe today, because you did that today, gives you enough strength for the week ahead of you. Maybe today, Jesus, well, I know for a fact Jesus sees you today, but maybe you can know today that Jesus sees you. If you know today that Jesus sees you, that gives you enough courage and enough strength. Your future is very well in the hands of Jesus. No matter if you're not yet at Monday. Let me, let me just pray.